Good evening and welcome to your call. This week I'm joined by a man who is a politician and a gentleman, a man who's been former finance minister, external affairs minister and defense minister, BGP leader Jaswant Singh. Well, uh, thank you for coming, sir. And uh, I mentioned defense minister, but of course, that stint, though relatively short uh, compared to your other two stints, right. is something which I think you felt particularly close to because of your background in the armed forces. When you see what's happening today, what is your reaction at the end of a week which has been a turbulent one? Well, I'm, I'm filled with great concern. And if I use the word uh, despair, it's not an exaggeration. Because, uh, and I think in, in an earlier talk with you, I used the phrase, this is the sword arm of the country. Mm -hmm. You can't blunt it. And what, it, what the last week, it's not just last week, uh, the previous so many years, what it has demonstrated, an absence of understanding about what the armed forces really are, an absence of grasping the sensibilities of the armed forces, a total, near total disjunct between the Ministry of Defense and the armed forces, mm -hmm. an absence of leadership from the political community, by which I really mean both the Prime Minister and the Defense Minister. After all, the Prime Minister is the chairman of the Cabinet Committee on Security. But given that, sir, and mm. given the shocking details that seem to be in, in that letter which became public, this isn't something that happened overnight. And of course, uh, people within the UPA will say, look at what happened in Cargill. And we've seen recommendations by the uh, expert committee on Cargill, recommendations of the group of ministers then. Nothing happened with successive governments, NDA or UPA. So in that sense, the political class can you, finger, uh, can you single out just the Prime Minister and current Defence Minister? It's a no, larger I issue. I don't wish to do that, but because you've referred to the Cargill, I, I had uh, quite a good deal to do with Cargill. Yes. I don't want to speak in first person singular. But the reality is, and this is a fact, the Cargill uh, attack on India is the only battle, should I put it, that India has fought since independence after which, in which, firstly, not a single inch of land was conceded. Mm -hmm. Secondly, after the battle, war, whatever you wish to call it, the government of the day ordered a full review of what had happened. Mm -hmm. And it's a brilliant uh, report that late uh, Subramaniam, because the review comprised Subramaniam and my friend George Verghese and others, mm -hmm. following upon that report, a committee, a group of ministers was instituted under Mr. Advani. It's a wonderful report, that report of the group of ministers. It addresses all issues. And there were recommendations about the defense ministry. But you're right. Nothing happened with those recommendations? Not nothing. Very little. Yeah, that is a qualitative term, little or very little, but not satisfactory. The approach was not. The approach is because once issues or matters get, get trapped in the liberance of bureaucracy, mm -hmm. uh, which is what I meant by a, a huge gap between the ministry, that's the civil part of it, and the armed forces. They inhabit the same physical territory in South Block. And we did, we had, one of the recommendations was 
and it was on paper implemented, that there should be total integration between the Ministry of Defence and the three services of the armed forces. We had, there were various other recognitions. We were told they are now integrated, but they are not integrated. There is a separation, uh, us and them. This must not be. Then in fact, I'd like to go across also to someone else who has, mm -hmm. uh, when we brought up Kargil, somebody whose uh, son actually died in Kargil. Uh -huh. His parents, uh, Colonel Thapar and his wife, uh, their young son, uh, Lieutenant Vijayan Thapar, had died in Kargil. And let's just go across uh, to them to see what they have to ask. And we'll come back to that issue which had been raised yes, also yes, about the course, hostilities. There is one question in my mind that why Kargil, uh, 10th anniversary of Kargil was not celebrated. There was no leader in Kargil on the 10th anniversary of Kargil. Nobody bothered and I felt very hurt also because uh, we are bringing politics in army and that is very damaging. It is really damaging the morale of the army. I agree with you. I, I share totally what you say. It is not just Kargil. With great difficulty we observe uh, the achievements of the Indian army uh, in Bangladesh. We have virtually forgotten mm, the IPKF and what the, uh, the sufferings, for example, of the IPKF. Why has this happened? Because I think uh, the conflict of uh, political interest between political parties has caused a lot of casualty in the spirit. My son did not die for any party. He died for his country. Absolutely, of course I agree. He, I, I mean, I am sorry that I... How can I refute or refuse what you are saying? I am... I, I don't want to speak in the sense, but... For example, my wife, she's an army daughter. She married me, she's an army wife. And her, her elder son is also an army officer. So if we are not army, if I am not army, if she is not army, she would fully empathize with what mm -hmm. you are saying. And she's bitterly, deeply critical of the way that, uh, in fact, as she told me, I told her that I was coming to this program, and she said, you must say it then. Now, I don't know if I should or not, but I'll say it. She said, all this is, all that we witnessed today that is happening, is so as to ensure that some uh, chain of promotions, etc., takes place, at the cost of the entire edifice of the army. It is this, these things which have brought this bonding in the army to such a state. Colonel Thapar, Mrs. Thapar, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this uh, program thank tonight. You. Let me go across, sir, to a question. Well, uh, from someone in your constituency, but let's just see mm -hmm. what he had to say. Let's mm -hmm. just go across to Darjeeling. Uh, hello, Jasmin, sir. Hello. Uh, I'm Colonel K. Shering from your Karma Bhumi, that is Darjeeling. <laughs> and the kind of scam that is surrounding North Block and South Block, the low morale of uh, troops, at least I am not very happy. Uh, my morale is low. I am sure the, my friends in the borders, their morale is also low. Now, in view of these kind of circumstances, uh, do you think that in case of uh, any outbreak of hostility between uh, our adversaries, amongst our, uh, with our advers adversaries, uh, do you think we will be able to do well in that? The, the question raised uh, by the gentleman from Darjeeling, who made the point that the morale of the armed forces... The key to your question is about morale. 
surely this is an example of very poor morale. Mm -hmm. um, of course, if deficiencies look, the, the, if deficiencies become public, but you must know that the soldiers, sailors, airmen, they deal with that equipment. They are familiar with what is and what is not. They know what the deficiencies are broadly, not in detail. Now. It's the appalling ignorance that, um, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but the armed forces and their functioning, that broadly uh, causes this kind of, uh, I think, unwarranted comment. But it does dent the state of morale. What damages morale much more is uh, this cobbling within the senior ranks of the army. This is very damaging. And moral is to physical, is really four is to one. It's not so much um, equipment deficiencies which dent the fighting quality of a force, it's the absence of moral and effective leadership. In fact, uh, when we come to that, we've seen the case of uh, the Lieutenant General, one Lieutenant General now taking the Army Chief to court former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, a crucial post. Leave aside the politicians, the squabbling within the army. Uh, your wife mentioned over promotions, whatever this may be about, a CBI case against another man who is in the line to be an army chief. This in is the very Is that this really is something very, which you would no, like to tell senior army officers that I you have, need to rethink about? And this is very shabby. This is not acceptable. And this is not conduct behoving uh, an officer and a gentleman. There's nobody to judge. You have to judge yourself. And I had occasion very painfully um, to write and say um, that we, it's for the chief. Who am I to judge? After all, it's a very distinguished soldier. Mm -hmm. But all that I said he ought to do is to remember that uh, inscription on the Chetwood Hall. Because um, after the parade and passing out parade, Great slow march into the Chetwood Hall. On top of that is an inscription by Field Marshal at Chetwood, the, the security, honor, and welfare of your country comes first. Mm -hmm. And always and every time. Then, of course, it goes further. Of your men you command, and thereafter, last is your own. I don't want to judge. Mm -hmm. Because I think I diminish. And not so much the person as the great office of the chief of army staff in judging personally. I, I cannot claim objectivity. The office is more important than the individual. Mm -hmm. If you keep chipping at this office, then you will damage the effectiveness of it and you will, of course, affect morale. You have a situation, I'm very sorry to have to say, my colleagues in Parliament start shouting, uh, throw him out, you can't. Can they imagine what effect this has on, because television is now ubiquitous, it's everywhere, and troops watching this, what will they think? And when you have MPs like Lalu Prasad Yadav, other MPs who I think the armed forces and many people would not regard as, say, the epitome of uh, morality, taking on an army chief, the institution for corruption, what do you think? He says yeah, the army yeah. chief wants to fight elections. Oh, come on, don't let us please all of Don't reduce everything to the level of absurd politicking. This is absurdity. Mm -hmm. It's so absurd as to almost be an obscenity. 
politics is not the end, be all and end all of life. Everything is not politically oriented. Here the issues of the combat effectiveness of the armed forces, if the issue is of national security, issue really is of the effectiveness of the sword arm of the country. For heaven's sake, don't reduce it to the kind of level that we witness every day in Parliament. Uh, I, I think one of the other worrying aspects was about the question of corruption in defence procurements and these yes. uh, infamous uh, Tatra trucks which have now come up. Now the questions have been raised over the fact that these have been in use since 1986. Irregularities in procurement clearly have been in place since mm. pretty much then. Why has no former defence minister, government, army chief raised this earlier? I don't. I'm guilty. In between I've been a defence minister. I must admit uh, this never came to my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, and so in that sense when I, if I say and make a comment here, I'm just as guilty as any of the previous defense ministers would be. I cannot uh, cite ignorance as my defense. I did not know of it. I did not take any action. It's no good saying I was not there long enough. Yes, you're right. I am also partly to blame. But what has happened is uh, at another level of uh, why this became why has this become? Not just Tatra. Uh, you see, in 1986, uh, around 86, 87, I believe it was a kind of a climactic year. Mm -hmm. mm, because then that is when the infamous Bofors uh, hit India. I had gone with General Sundarji to the trials of Bofors gun, and I had said, this is a very good gun. It's very badly procured. Because I said it's a very good gun, my party got very annoyed with me. <laughs> it's true. Now, but I also tried very hard to find out. I went to Sweden at my own cost. Mm -hmm. And I fought for this issue until I, uh, I came against the wall um, of non-cooperation. Then I realized that Bofors will have very long-term consequences in defense procurement. Because if we were not able to identify and award condign punishment to the wrongdoers, then of course people will say we can do it. And, there of course, and then of course it was only about 86 out or 84 hot crores. Now it's in hundreds of crores. The Tehelka scandal in the NDA of government tenure. But I think the saddest part of it is that You'll have defense ministers come and go, you have army chiefs come and go, but the corruption in the procurement system has not gone. And the worry is that on the other hand, you become so cautious that you slow down essential That's procurement, fine. modernization, That's yet fine. the rot has not been stemmed at all. No, two things have happened. You're right, absolutely right. What has happened is that uh, we have now a system that has become dysfunctional. And because it is dysfunctional, if we were to assume it is therefore pure and unsullied on the, on the contrary. The reverse has happened. You see, George, when after Telka, etc., and reinstated as defense minister, started sending any proposal for procurement as a question, as an aspect to the CVC before he even looked at the file. And I told him, George, this is wrong. The CVC or the uh, CNDGE, CBI, I did also use a phrase once, 
that we are crippled by the C3. The tyranny of the three Cs, C3, I think you said, yes. yes. The tyranny of the C. We are responsible. I am a defense minister, then I am responsible for all the good. If I take credit for all the good, then I must also take discredit for what is not good. Stand up and be recognized. Oh, no, it is not done. Say it. And it is wrong. आगे हम सुधारेंगे जब ये नहीं जॉर्ज बाइन सो ट्रामिंग and out of 10 even if you make five mistakes at least on five every mistake will teach you something this is what has happened the government is paralyzed into inaction because the the possibility of a mistake paralyzes them let me let me shift sir we've discussed a large <laughs> extent of the program on what's been happening the last week let me shift also to somebody who's been in politics for over mm. for i think from 19 uh, it's my 9 onwards it's due to life sir yeah just another day purely by chance while somebody sitting next to me was looking at the who's who in parliament and he said sir you've been this is your ninth term in parliament since 1980 i think you've been yeah, a rajya sabha mp a remark a remarkable feat i have to say and rajya sabha is interesting because we've seen this week a very sad situation mm-hmm. in charkand over the rajya sabha yeah. elections and what happened there with an independent candidate and the charges back and forth The BJP went through a state of great turbulence after the last general election. We are now looking towards the next one. What do you think has the BJP managed to course correct? Why no, this I'm afraid, issue uh, at this point? No, I'm afraid I can't. Uh, I, I can't realistically and honestly say that that court needed course correction, recognition of what the deficiencies are. Therefore, course correction has been fully recognized and implemented. I can't. the state of the party is well enough known to the leadership uh, in the party i have often pointed it out what is the situation today it's really rather like the later mughal there's a very good account of the later mughals by a great historian who says that the mughals were declining but the maratha confidence he was also declining now that is very bad for the country because you can't have the decline of the congress party is evident but they simultaneously they cannot just cannot be decline of the bjp because it's a national imperative there are, there cannot be a political vacuum in the country is it a battle for who will be the next prime ministerial candidate because you are either recovering so. from an election or looking towards the next election no, in india today no no if you permit a very interesting phrase Uh, I think it's more usage in UP than elsewhere. Na suit na kapas julaham mein latham lat. Now there's no there's no. It's not as if the premiership of the country is there for the. It is there for anybody to. So it's not as if anybody is fighting for the premiership. I don't think that ought to be at all. It's it's to be able to meet the challenge of the circumstances. Um, and it's no good my saying any asa kuch nahi hai because then i would not be candid i would not be. i don't want to 
be dishonest to myself. We're finally at the end of the show, sir, and I'd like to go back many years to your old school, uh, Mayor mm -hmm. College, where we have some young students to ask you a question. Good evening, sir. Being your grandson and the fourth generation at Mayor College, <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question. Yes. I've seen your name prominently on the honor board in the assembly hall. Mm -hmm. What is the mantra for success at Mayor College? What is the mantra for success? No, you must, uh, you must look two things. Believe that you can reach the horizon. It is not as if horizon is not reachable. Dream to reach the horizon and work for it. Secondly, catch, uh, realize and accept that you can catch both ends of the rainbow in your two hands. This is not dreaming. Do that and you will succeed. I was just going to ask, sir, often yes. uh, to achieve great success, you often have to achieve great failure as well. Of course. When you look back at your years, the greatest regret you've had in these many years in public life, what would you, what, what would you define that as? Kandhar was not a mistake. The priority was to save lives. Mm -hmm. See, governance is not about, it's not a choice between good and not so good. The choice is always between bad and worse. It is, it's how it is. It is terrible to let 166 human beings perish because you feel that you must not take step A or B. Mm -hmm. It's very bad to compromise on the fight against terrorism and say, okay, take these three back, leave 166. How do you decide? No government has a clear, it's not as if it's a yes or no decision. So you decide government must always work for preserving life. Mm -hmm. I went because uh, if I hadn't gone last minute decisions there, had to be who would take them. But I also don't want to say it. It's not as if my going there was without risk. But I don't want to say it. Somebody had to go. Mm -hmm. And coming back in that uh, aircraft, the relief of those, the stench in that aircraft, uh, the men and women, trapped in that tube of an airbus for seven days in that freezing cold mm -hmm. of winter in Kandahar with one toilet. Uh, one of the passengers, where are my children? Why did you come so late? She caught hold of me. This is of course trauma. It's a trauma for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was more traumatic because uh, how am I to explain the, how these decisions become necessary? Of course. But of course it's part of governance. Mm -hmm. So you take a decision I and you stand up and be counted for it. I think stand up and be counted. I think that's what you focused on, sir, throughout this interview. The take a decision and be responsible for it, however it eventually turns out. Of you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, sir, for Thank joining you, me tonight. Sir. It was wonderful to have you.